Saints fans, Pelicans fans, let's go. This is the Black and Blue Report. Black. Bree is going to go deep. He's got ground. Touchdown. Blue. Down the lane. Shoots. No. Tip follow in for Davis with three tenths of a second left. Welcome into the podcast for the fans, straight from the teams they love. It's good to see you guys, and uh, I didn't know we had Studio B here in our facility. Good setup. Now that I know where your guys' little office is, I can pop in here whenever I want. Well, we're playing through AD, and so everybody's going to have to adjust to that. Coaches, players, analysts, celebrities, and more. That guy's Anthony Mackie. I've gotten in many of our arguments about the Pelicans and the Saints uh, over the years. Harry County Jr. joins us here on the Black and Blue Report. Undoubtedly, to me, the Saints are the singular reason that New Orleans is back on the map. Hoda Kotb from the Today Show on NBC, our guest. You know, New Orleans gets in your blood. The Saints never leave it once they get in there. This is the Black and Blue Report, straight from the source. No appointment radio. Wherever, whenever. Now, from Studio B, or from wherever the Saints or Pelicans might be, here's Sean Kelly. How goes it? It's the Black and Blue Report, the podcast for Saints and Pelicans fans. Greetings today from Studio B in Metairie, Louisiana. I'm Sean Kelly, and it's good to be home, that's for sure. Glad to be with you here on a game day, too. As the Saints gear up for the Baltimore Ravens tonight, we're going to help you get ready for the game as well with our uh, broadcast this afternoon. All right, so being back here is not only a good thing, but it's uh, good to come home after a 2-2 two and two West Coast road trip for the New Orleans Pelicans, and good to be home in time to make tonight's football game against the Ravens. How about the Saints sitting here in first place now, thanks to losses yesterday by the Falcons and the Buccaneers. So even at 4-6, and six, with I think, what, six games to go, right? Uh, there's still plenty of football to talk about. We've got a lot of things to shake out with John DeShazer from NewOrleansSaints.com and getting you ready for the game tonight. And then, of course, as we like to do on Mondays, Steve White from the NFL Network checks in. His thoughts on what has transpired this NFL weekend so far. We also get his thoughts today on the Monday Night Football game, which is, of course, big interest to us. So that'll be a part of the uh, show as well. One more thing on today's show. Um, David Baker, Pro Football Hall of Fame president, stops by. I want to say this is the – he. I think he's been on once before, yes. But today he uh, is in New Orleans, joins us via telephone to talk about a very generous gift from Saints and Pelicans owner Mr. Tom Benson. Uh, that $11 million pledge to the Pro Football Hall of Fame encompasses two massive projects there. And uh, David Baker will stop by and explain what that is all about, what it all means uh, in the sense of the history of our game, and, uh, and what kind of an impact uh, Mr. Benson's very generous gift will have in the near and long-term future with regards to the Pro Football Hall of Fame, our game in general, and the city of Canton, Ohio. So that's, that's a big guest for us today because of the big news, so we certainly will talk about that. Okay, before we jump back into the Saints and Ravens, let's look back on the Pelicans road trip for just a moment. Um, two and two, a split out, out west is always a good thing. I kind of hope for three and one, but we'll take the two and two. A couple of impressive things. Number one, after struggling in game one in each of the two back-to-backs, the Pelicans showed us some toughness um, and uh, smarts in bouncing back to win the second game of each of those road back-to-backs with their wins coming at Sacramento and then on Saturday at Utah. And speaking of the Utah game, 
on Saturday night, uh, Anthony Davis was an absolute beast. I will say this. I've been very lucky, blessed, however you want to look at it, in my career because I got to call all the games early in Chris Paul's career, and now I'm getting to call all of the games here in the young Anthony Davis career, which is turning out to be a superstar (laughs) uh, campaign, to say the least. But he scored a career-high 43 points. He also grabbed 14 rebounds, had two steals and a block. Utah is a very difficult place to go and play, um, not only for teams but for individuals. The last player to stick 40-plus and 14-plus, or 13-plus, Anyway, to match this number that AD put up against the Jazz the other night, the last boy to do that to Utah was Charles Barkley in 1987. And if I'm not mistaken, I think Barkley may have won the MVP that year. I'll go back and look and let you know maybe tomorrow. But I'm, I'm just off the top of my head. I think it was an MVP season for Charles Barkley. So Anthony Davis continues to make us look further and further back into the record book with regard to what he's done. Um, let me, let me give you a little taste of what kind of fun I had on Saturday as Anthony Davis went nuts on the Jazz. Gordon bounce pass behind his back to Davis. Top of the key jumper's good. That's as pure as it gets. 19 footers down. That forces the Jazz into a timeout as the Pelicans match their largest lead of the quarter, going back up by six. Trey Burke, angle left, goes over his screen. Dishes to his right to Alec Burks. Back to Burke, Trey Burke that is. Turns around a screen to the elbow, trying to throw back door. That's deflected by Withy. Holiday up ahead to Davis, catching a dunk with the right hand. And a timeout called by Quinn Snyder. Holiday left of the key, only up nine now. Holiday lobs to the rim. Alley-oop dunk thrown down by Davis. Davis wanted it on a post up left side of the lane. Holiday nudged him toward the rim. He spun off the defender and went up in the air to finish from Holiday. Pelicans on an eight to two run. Burks into Burke, here on the near wing, stolen by Fredette. Long outlet pass to Davis, hammers with the right hand, you heard me. Anthony Davis, 35 points. That comes off the steal by Fredette, and it's 87-74. The Pelicans have one full and two 20-second timeouts. Davis at the top of the lane, catches, dunks with two hands. They caught the Jazz sleeping. He's fouled on the play, and that's a new career high for Anthony Davis. 42 points, looking for 43 in the match. The Barkley number of exactly 43 points and 14 rebounds if he makes this free throw. All right, so again, the Pelicans win against the Jazz thanks to Anthony Davis and a good, solid team effort. Drew Holiday had a nice fourth quarter that really kind of pushed the game off the edge of the table and into the wind bucket for the Pelicans. They go back at it tomorrow night against the Sacramento Kings, and we'll pick up our Pelicans conversation tomorrow about that. And I hope I hope tomorrow we're talking about Anthony Davis being the Western Conference Player of the Week. Now, as Daniel just pointed out to me a few minutes ago before we started the show today, uh, Marcus Gasol is uh, trying to have some say in that as well just like Damian Lillard did the week before and whatnot. But at some point here, Anthony Davis has to be the player of the week, if not the November player of the month in the Western Conference um, here as we get ready to head for December. So keep all that in mind. Hopefully we'll have that news for you tomorrow. Saints-Ravens tonight. I'll give you details about our coverage later on the program, but we're going to take a quick break and then bring in John DeShazer to help 
wrap up our pregame coverage here on the Black and Blue Report and get us set for kickoff tonight at the Mercedes-Benz Superdome. Lotto is all across Louisiana with cash jackpots starting at $250,000. That's a whole lot of cash. From the neon lights of Shreveport, Bossier City to the banks of Grand Isle, Lotto is your game. It doesn't leave the state and there's nothing like it anywhere else. It's Louisiana fun just for Louisiana. Lotto, it's a whole lot of cash. Must be at least 21 to purchase. Pelicans fans, be sure to download the team's official app so you can play our new game, Quest for the Coast, presented by Chevron. Help Pierre the Pelicans save the coast in this infinite flying adventure. Save as many miles of the coast as you can before the water rises. This fun, interactive game includes a basketball bonus round and educational facts about the environment provided by the Audubon Nature Institute. Quest for the Coast, presented by Chevron. Available only on the Pelicans app. Download it today. Welcome back to the Black and Blue Report. Here's Sean Kelly and John DeShazer. Six and four Ravens, four and six Saints. Monday night football tonight. And as promised, John DeShazer from NewOrleansaints.com joins us here on this Monday morning as we get ready for the big game tonight. Hello, J.D. It's been a long time. Yeah, Doc. I mean, you're on the road and everything, gallivanting around the country. And, you know, I'm back here trying to hold it down, so, you know. We'll try to make do as best we can, but uh, it's good to hear from you, my friend. Thank you, and uh, and made do you did, and probably went through. Um, um, well, I'm curious, what what was the week like last last? Uh, I don't know. I guess last five six days. Well, I mean, from a player and team and coach perspective, I mean, it was you know try to get back to work, try to figure out you know what you're doing wrong, try to correct your mistakes, and you know all the cliche things that uh, are said after a loss and yet are you know actually true. You know, from a stand, stand from a fan perspective, it seems like uh, the natives are getting a little bit restless. Obviously, um, they are accustomed to seeing the Saints being more successful than this. So, you know, when the Saints are four and six, even though that four and six gets them first place in the NFC South division, and you know nobody feels real good about that the way it's happened. But uh, when the Saints are four and six, you know the, the fans are accustomed to seeing the team be a little bit more successful than that. So they're not uh, they're not exactly pleased with what they've been what they've been seeing and you know, I, I, I understand that but and you know, we see this from you know, from a Pelicans perspective, you know, everybody knows we're the you know, the radio guys for the Pelicans and, and people, you know, say, you know, well they ought to be doing better and what folks don't understand is, you know, we see it from the Pelicans and from the Saints. These guys actually do care folks. So they're not just out there running around just because it's something to do. You know they invest a lot of time, so when they don't they, when they don't win, they are a lot more invested than most fans uh, can ever think they would be. So, you know, it bothers them a great deal. I think uh, Kenny Vaccaro was one who, you know, let it be known how much it bothered him uh, last week, and you see it in, in sports all the time. So, yeah, it's it's not hunky dory around around Saints camp. I mean, these guys are really concerned with where the season is and where it could be because, you know, you keep reflecting on those close losses. But the fact of the matter is, you know, you got to wash that stuff away. You know, they're over and done with and they're gone. And, you know, as, you know, Coach Sean Payton generally says, you know, you are what your record says you are right now. The Saints are four and six. It's good enough to be in first place in the NFC South and, and all that kind of good stuff. But it's not good enough. It's not exactly – it's nowhere near where they hope to be. So 
you know, they've got some ground to, to hopefully cover before the season ends. Obviously, we haven't talked to the players today. You did prior to the games this weekend. But I'd be anxious to know um, from the players, maybe even the coaching staff, if the hand up that they continue to get from their division mates, like the losses yesterday for the Falcons and the Buccaneers, um, if that gives them any kind of a boost going into tonight's game or these final six in general. No. I mean, you know, outside of a business-like approach, uh, for the most part, the undercurrent is these guys are angry that they're in the position they're in. Um, they know a little bit more success, and the NFC South could j- just about be wrapped up by now. And so they're not uh, looking at, you know, what the Falcons – I mean, now, look, let's not fool ourselves. They're human. So they know what everybody else in the division is doing, even when they say we're only paying attention to ourselves. But the only thing you can control is yourself, and you don't want to keep losing games because you say, well, you know, they lost, so we can lose. They lost, so we can lose. You, you can't go through the season that way. You know, the whole thing is taking care of your own business, you know, making your own way, creating your own fate. And, and so they haven't done a good job, a good enough job of that this season. Fortunately, it's in a season where everyone else in the division is having a really, really down year. But the fact of the matter is they want to play better. They want to win. So, you know, the Falcons losing yesterday, yeah, it's great because, it, you know, it, it does no worse than leave them tied in the loss column in the division if they don't win tonight. But at the same time, you know, you want to depend on yourself. You want to make it happen yourself. You don't want to have to depend on somebody else to do your business for you. So from that standpoint, they're a little bit disappointed because they haven't handled their business themselves. When we get to the Mercedes-Benz Superdome later today, John, and do our pregame, I guess, video report for NewOrleansSaints.com, we'll cover the storylines of the game, and we may as well start that conversation now. Um, Obviously, at the top would be snapping the losing streak, avoiding a third straight loss at home. But uh, help me, help the fans – wade through the injury situation and the guys off the street who may have to contribute heavily tonight here on game day? I mean, really, the injury situation now kind of boils down to the safety position because everything else is kind of settled in. Even though Keenan Lewis played limited snaps at cornerback, the starter at cornerback last week, he will, you know, he looks pretty ready and practice, you know, a good bit this week. So Keenan should be back at cornerback. There might be a change at the other cornerback position. That's something to watch. Maybe Patrick Robinson is going to play a little bit more, maybe even start ahead of Corey White. But both of those guys have pretty much kind of been interchangeable at that right cornerback slot. The big thing is that the safety, when they, you know, Raphael Bush now lost that safety. Jarris Bird lost, lost earlier. Vinny Sinceri injured and out for the season. So that leaves Marcus Ball as the guy who's probably going to have to step in because Jamarcus Sanford has only been – on the team for a couple of weeks, and even though they re-signed Pierre Warren, who was with the team throughout training camp, Pierre Warren is a rookie who hasn't been with the team for the last several weeks. So Marcus Ball, the guy who was able to start in the three-safety alignment once Jareth Burke got hurt, he's probably going to have to ascend to the starting lineup, and if the Saints want to go you know, start in the nickel or the dime, then either Corey White or Patrick Robinson will join him, You know, join that lineup, whichever one of those guys comes off the bench and they probably feel a little bit better at cornerback, so maybe Brian Dixon at cornerback might be playing some more too, and maybe you're able to work Jamarcus Sanford in as, a, as another safety, but more than likely I think his biggest contribution and Pierre Warren's would be on special teams if those guys, you know, if Pierre Warren even dresses for the game. So that's where your help is going to come from. And also Stanley Jean-Baptiste, let's not forget the rookie second-round cornerback, he might have to play a little bit. So that from an injury perspective really – is where it hits most in the secondary. Pierre, Pierre Thomas, the running back, is going to be back tonight. So 
He looks like he's going to play, and that will help out Mark Ingram, even though Mark Ingram is in a pretty great groove right now in terms of getting carries. But, uh, you know, it's been a heavy workload, and not that he doesn't mind it, certainly, but uh, the Saints like the versatility, obviously, and veteran leadership that Pierre Thomas gives them. Kyrie Robinson still can't play at running back. He's been ruled out. But you do have your two main guys in Pierre Thomas and Mark Ingram, so they feel like they can make a little hay there with no Brandon Cooks as wide receiver. You know, they signed a, a, a wide receiver. And, um, you know, he's a punt returner. And I, the name escapes me right now. I apologize. But, you know, you don't expect him to step in off the street and be able to, to walk in and be the punt returner. Travaris Cadet might handle those duties. Kenny Stills could handle those duties as well as others. Um, maybe even maybe even a, a Joseph Morgan. And Joe Morgan looks like he's a little bit back in the rotation. He was active last week. And he'll be called upon a little bit more if Brandon Morgan can't – if Brandon Cooks, excuse me, is on injured reserve because – you know, you got to have that deep threat. Robert Meacham, who did not practice most of last week and didn't play last week, looks like Meach is going to be active. So you've got two guys who can run a little bit faster in Meach and Joe Morgan who get down the field and are known for their downfield blocking. Coach Payton said this week that Joe Morgan is a very, very capable downfield blocker, and they like for those guys to be able to do that down the field. So from an injury standpoint, yeah, I mean, you're missing some pretty critical cogs. I mean, Raphael Bush was pretty much a third starter last year. And then when Jarris Bird went down, he was a full-time starter this year. Brandon Cooks, we know what he was doing. He was heading toward, you know, all several all-rookies. And he'll probably still be on all-rookie teams. But he had an, a chance to lead this team in receiving and receiving yards by the time it finished up this year. So those are two big losses that the Saints hope to be able to plug. John Shazer from NewOrleansSaints.com with us here on this game day as the Saints get ready for the Ravens tonight. Uh, what should we know about Baltimore, John? What are their big storylines coming in? Well, we know one thing about Baltimore. They're going to run the ball. They run the, uh, the, stretch, the stretch plays, and they've got a guy, Justin Forsett, who has really stepped up and handled his duties well in the absence of Ray Rice. You know, Ray Rice with the suspension and everything, and he's gone for this season. Forsett's run for more than 700 yards. I think he's about seventh in the league having a career year, averaging about five yards of carry, and so they're going to lean on him in the run game, and that might open things up in the passing game because Joe Flacco, you know, even though he's a guy who's going to be generally limited to the pocket, but he gets rid of the football pretty quickly, and we know he's got Steve Smith, and we know he has Torrey Smith, two guys who can run and stretch the field and really hurt you defensively. Saints fans and Saints players know all about Steve Smith coming over from Carolina to Baltimore and what he can do to a team, even though he's 35 years old. He's got you know more than 700 receiving yards, so he's on pace for another 1,000-yard season, and he does not seem to have lost a step. But teams have taken him away a little bit lately, which is why Torrey Smith has stepped up for Baltimore. And Torrey Smith has been pretty good lately. And even though he has about half the receptions of Steve Smith, he leads the team with six receiving touchdowns. In the return game, there's the New Orleans kid. Jacoby Jones went to Abramson High School. And we know that anytime you, if it's a kickoff and it's not out, out of the back of the end zone, he's going to return it. And there's no reason why he shouldn't because he's averaging almost 32 yards of return. And he was a pro bowler and all pro in 2012. And we know he had a great, great return game in the Super Bowl in New Orleans in 2013 when they beat uh, San Francisco and won the Super Bowl. So he's going to return everything. He returns points too. So he's one of those guys like Pac-Man Jones a couple of weeks ago. If you kick it to him, and you can't get in his face, he's going to return it. And most times he's going to return it even if you're in his face. So, you know, the Saints expect to have to cover every kick because Jacoby Jones is going to put pressure on him. And defensively, Baltimore is doing great against the run. So, you know, I don't know 
how much the Saints are going to be able to lean on that run game. And maybe, you know, they've been pretty dedicated to it this year. But, you know, Coach Payton might decide he wants to loosen that defense up a little bit by throwing a little bit more early as opposed to hammering with the run game. We know Mark Ingram is capable and Pierre Thomas is coming back. But Baltimore has been really stingy against the run. And Baltimore has been stingy in terms of allowing points. I think they only allow about 18 to 20 per game. And that's one of the tops in the NFL. And if the Saints are going to score their average of 26 points a game, then they're going to have to do some nice things against a defense that has really played well for the most part this season. J.D., one more thought. And I know I don't know a lot, but I know I like Drew Brees in primetime at the Mercedes-Benz Superdome. I'll take that with me to the ballpark tonight. Yeah, he has done phenomenal things in primetime in the Superdome. So, you know, it's I don't I can't explain it. You know, he's just one of those guys who rises to the occasion. The best comes out of him, and I expect no less than that tonight because the Saints have lost two straight at home. They don't like that taste in their mouths, and they certainly want to put on a good show in primetime because that's what they are accustomed to doing in primetime. What these guys do in primetime is, they, especially at home, they win. And not only do they win, they kind of smash people, you know, like they did Green Bay earlier this season on a Sunday night in the Superdome. So, you know, I don't know if this will be a, another smash where they take care of Baltimore, but certainly Drew Brees has been as precise as any quarterback in NFL history in night games at home. I don't think that's going to change tonight. Look forward to seeing you, my friend. I can't wait for tonight, too. Yeah, looking forward to it, man. Looking forward to a Saints win. And let's also remember that Drew Brees, this is the only team in the NFL Drew Brees has not beaten. He has not played well against Baltimore. And he's a guy who knows these kind of things. He keeps up with all that stuff. So it's in the back of his mind. He wants to play well. No doubt. And if he pulls it off tonight, he would join a very short list of those who have beaten all teams in the NFL. All right. J.D., I'll see you uh, later on today, and, of course, we'll have full coverage at NewOrleansSaints.com, and uh, folks can also get their information off the Saints mobile app, too. Have a great rest of your Monday. I'll see you this evening. Yes, sir. You have a good one, too. Thank you. John DeShazer with us here on the Black and Blue Report. Plenty more on this Monday in just a moment. All-Star Electric is lighting up the future with the latest in LED lighting. All-Star Electric specializes in the installation and conversion of the newest LED lighting products. This lasting investment is virtually maintenance-free and offers significant savings on your next electricity bill. This is Tim Blanchard, president of All-Star Electric. Let us evaluate your building, parking lot, or home for an LED conversion because we know we can save you some money. In New Orleans, food is more than a passion, it's a tradition. And Zatarans has been part of that tradition for 125 years. From jambalaya and dirty rice to crab boil and more, Zatarans has been jazzing up dinner since before there was jazz. And we're excited about what next season might bring. Jazz it up tonight with Zatarans, proud sponsor of the New Orleans Pelicans. Welcome back to the Black and Blue Report, the podcast for Saints and Pelicans fans. Our football conversation continues here on this Monday on the Black and Blue Report with a very good guest of ours. That's Steve Weich from the NFL Network. He's been kind of joined us each and every Monday to talk about the league in general. And Steve, um, I'm not so sure I want to do this, but I'm going to do it anyway because I don't necessarily agree with this new system in college football where each Tuesday night we get 
you know, the here are the four that would play if we were to start today in the BCS championship or whatever it's called now. Um, but in light of that, and probably against my better judgment, I will ask you for your top four NFL uh, as we get ready to close up this weekend. Do you get where I'm going with this? Yeah, absolutely. No, I think right now you've, you've got to put, you know, New England at number one. You've got to put Green Bay at number two. And then I think things get very interesting from that point because I think Seattle now getting healthy, um, you know, they're in, they're in that hunt for, uh, for being in the top four, as is Denver. Um, you know, Kansas City, that slip up at Oakland, you can kind of see that coming. Anytime a road team plays on a Thursday, uh, you never really know. But right now, let's just say, um, you know, New England and Green Bay are, are clearly two front runners. And then, you know, I'm going, to, I'm going to say Denver and I'm going to say Seattle. But, you know, the Dallas Cowboys keep on making me want to change my mind because they look like the real deal as well. Well, that leads me right where I wanted to go with this on the NFC side, Steve, because it's interesting. You did not mention Arizona, who lost to Seattle yesterday and still has two games against the 49ers. And then you mentioned Dallas, who really helped themselves in their division with that big comeback last night. Yeah, you know, I think I'm still really big on Arizona. Um, But what surfaced Sunday, and again, I figured they were going to lose at Seattle. Just a tough place to win. Um, you know, what I'm about to say could apply to just about every team in the NFC except for Green Bay. Offense, you know, guys can't score. It's it's a really weird trend. I mean, the defenses are absolutely fantastic, but you just have to wonder. I mean, you look at Arizona's point totals week in and week out, and even Seattle and San Francisco. Um, tough time getting points on the board. Um, I do think again when Arizona did not have Larry Fitzgerald, so Seattle could play them differently and. They're still such an exceptional defensive team. I mean, they're going to be a playoff team. I don't think they're, I don't think they're going to get locked out. I mean, when it comes down to wild card or even them winning division, I think they're right there. But just in terms of the way teams are, are playing, you know, Arizona can't run the ball. Um, you know, and that's that's a big problem. They they've got to figure that out. Whereas I think the other teams, like a Seattle, can run the ball when it has to. San Francisco can run the ball it has to and that's why I, I like Seattle having an edge right now they're getting healthy on defense I mean Byron Maxwell came back Bobby Wagner the linebacker came back and that was a total difference maker uh on on the back end of that defense did you ever think Steve and let's go back to when you and I visited at the Greenbrier in West Virginia just about the way that the game would be officiated this year and the rules as such and everything else that we'd even be having any kind of a conversation here in November about defense yeah, how about that? Yeah. I mean, again, everyone thought that, the, you know, the scoring was going to go up because defenders like Seattle. This is basically the Seattle rule to put their hands on offensive players. Well, we're not seeing much out of these passing games. You know, we're seeing some quarterbacks have these big games. We're not seeing these routine 400-yard games like we used to see. I mean, teams who are, who are winning are running the ball. We're kind of, you know, getting back to the old-school formula of running the ball and playing defense. So, Again, you know, we didn't think, especially in the NFC, well, we've got good quarterbacks, and let's go ahead and bring it to the NFC South. What a disaster that's been for these teams. You know, they, they can't get anything going offensively from New Orleans to Atlanta to Carolina. Um, every team's got some solid running games with the quarterback. I mean, you have quarterbacks for all these teams, and, and it's just none of them has, has been able to play like they had in the recent past. It's amazing. It really is. Hey, before I get your thoughts on Baltimore and New Orleans tonight, and, and actually we have another game to talk about too, and that's part of what I want to talk about as far as off-the-field things go. Um, let me start with the Buffalo situation. Um, how 
I don't know. Hmm, how do I say this? How big of an effect does this have not only on the Bills but the league in general with what's happened with their weather situation there and games having to move and maybe even again this coming weekend? Yeah, I mean, to me, this is it's a total disadvantage for Buffalo. I mean, the players didn't get to practice. They're having to worry about, you know, getting food into their families and, and their neighbors and, and things like that. So, you know, we'll see. This is a game you say to yourself, because of all that, the Jets should win, but it's the Jets. So, you, know, you never really know. Uh, but if they've got to go through this again, I mean, the logistics of everything um, are, are real pain because, you know, they're, they're still having weather up there. They're talking about the Bills practicing in, in some type of neutral site all week before they're supposed to go back and play home next week. If that's going to happen, that's disruptive. I mean, the folks, you know, you know, I don't, I don't know if you were in New Orleans when, when the hurricane hit, but mm-hmm. folks had to relocate. Even, you know, if it was only for a couple of weeks or a couple of months, that's a disruptive thing and even though you know there there may be the the pot of gold on the other end you know you're you come back home and your family's there those few weeks those few months i mean it takes you out of your routine and we know athletes and coaches are creatures of habit would we know it's a big problem for buffalo obviously the game is played in a different city tonight and everything else but does this have a ripple effect and i know at five and five the Bills, I guess, don't have any say-so at the at the top of the AFC East, especially with the way New England's going. But does, in some way, does this have some kind of an effect, or or you know, on a greater level across the AFC, as far as Buffalo being at a disadvantage or games being played at a neutral site? Well, I mean, they can't help the neutral site. Yeah. I mean, this is one of those unforeseen things where I think all parties involved are doing the best they could do. Uh, you know, again, this no, no one planned on this type of disaster. Um, even living in an area like Buffalo, how often has that happened? Um, I mean, you never know. Buffalo comes out and wins this ball game. No one's talking really about it. You know, they're talking about the resiliency the team showed and keeping itself in the playoff contention. So I think the outcome and the way the team performs and things like that has a lot to say about it. And a lot of times teams use adversity like this to, to rally and play a good game. So we'll, we'll see on that. I think this is, that's a little early to, to make a determination. Steve White from the NFL Network with us. He is in Los Angeles today. Uh, Steve, Los Angeles uh, could stand to benefit from the St. Louis situation. The other off-field issue that I wanted to ask you is the date quickly approaches here for Stan Kroenke and the St. Louis Rams. Are the Rams leaving St. Louis, and is L.A. getting a football team? Well, I mean, there's nothing definitive yet. I mean, all signs indicate to both. Um, You know, I think Joe Buck had a great commentary last week, you know, basically saying, you know, the fans of St. Louis, you should read the tea league. The owner's never come out publicly and said he's doing everything he can to keep this team in St. Louis. Um, you know, again, living in Los Angeles, there's a lot of momentum. Um, the league wants two teams here over the next couple of years. And you know, there's a lot of conversation about the Rams being the front runner to come. As we know, Stan Kroenke has brought a huge parcel of land out near Hollywood Park, the racetrack here. It's, it's right near the Great Western Forum. The infrastructure's in place. Uh, but there's not a shovel in the ground. You know, there's not a deal in place right now. So, you know, look, Los Angeles has, has walked up to the altar before with this, only only to, to either be jilted or to not be able to close the deal. And the league is not going to put a team out here if they don't think it's got long-term sustainability. I mean, they've already lost the Raiders and the Rams once. They don't want to go through through that act again. I think now the different climate when it comes to the NFL, I, you know, living here for three years, I think the area would – would support one, if not both, teams over the long term just because the NFL is such a goliath in the sports landscape. But, again, the NFL, you know, the one thing about it is everything they do, it's got long-term implications. So they want to make sure everything is sound as 
before it gets done. So if there's a move, we'll, we'll see if it happens, you know, after the season. Um, I think a team like St. Louis, if it's going to leave, it, it needs to go ahead and make that declaration as soon as possible, just in fairness to the fans. But a lot of it, again, depends on if they can get a stadium situation locked down in Los Angeles. Yeah, I just didn't know if it was too early to bring that up yet or not. Um, just a thought. Uh, real quick before you let you go, Steve, how about a thought on the uh, Monday night football game featuring New Orleans and Baltimore tonight? Well, you know, I, I keep on saying there's no way the Saints are going to lose three home games, but they just don't seem – they don't seem like they lost all those close games. And they just seem – I'm going to go with New Orleans again. I just – it just would would stun me if they lost three, three home games with Baltimore. Tough, tough uh, team right now. I think – I believe they're coming off a bye. Um, so, you know, we'll see again. I'll, I'll, I'll take the Saints right now, but I'm, I'm not nearly feeling as good about them as, as I was a couple weeks ago. That's fair, but I do love the fact that the Saints um, have a division lead to worry about, and Baltimore certainly got plenty of motivation. That makes for good games. Absolutely. As always, my friend, I thank you very much. I hope you enjoy your week. Happy Thanksgiving, by the way. You too. All the best. Thank you very much. Steve White from the NFL Network with us here on the Black and Blue Report. We'll be back with more, including a visit with the president of the Pro Football Hall of Fame. That's David Baker in just a moment. At the Auctioner Hospital for Children, no matter where you turn, you're surrounded by bravery. Children and teens dealing with health problems beyond their years. Parents working hard to keep the worry from their face. Doctors and nurses doing everything possible to get them back home where they belong. From rare brain tumors and leukemia to heart conditions and organ transplants, we offer a level of pediatric care unmatched in Louisiana. With more advanced capabilities than any other children's hospital in the region, even our kids-only ER can handle any pediatric emergency. In fact, the only thing tougher than the problems we see every day are the kids themselves. Choose the Auctioner Hospital for Children and never wonder if you could have done more. Call 866-AUCTIONER to find an affiliated pediatrician near you. Auctioner, healthcare with peace of mind. We call it No Appointment Radio. You're listening to the Black and Blue Report. Welcome back to the Black and Blue Report. Of course, we continue our coverage here on game day, being a Monday, Monday Night Football tonight, and certainly we're very excited about Saints and Ravens tonight, but we're also excited about a very big announcement made earlier today, not only by the New Orleans Saints, but the Pro Football Hall of Fame. And the president of the hall, David Baker, has been kind enough to join us here on this Monday morning due to the fact that Mr. Tom Benson has made two very generous gifts this morning to the Pro Football Hall of Fame in all, totaling $11 million. David, when I got the news this morning, I was blown away. Congratulations on such a big moment in the Hall's history. Well, we, we're, we're excited about it. I think it's a historic moment, you know, not, not just for the Hall of Fame, but frankly for, for football. You know, when uh, I first talked to Mr. Benson about this, it was, um, you know, it, it was incredible how excited he was. This was not a negotiation. This was not a hard thing. Yeah, he wanted to talk about the vision. He wanted to talk about what this could do for kids. He would wanted to talk about what this would do for our legends. And uh, you know, and I started talking to him about one number, and he actually, you know, made the additional gift, you know, that would go for Legends Landing, which is really for our 
you know, former Hall of Famers and NFL players who, you know, want to, you know, to spend some of the sunset of their life really kind of being back in that locker room and living with the team that they loved. And uh, he, he, you know, his vision for this uh, was not just about writing a check. It was about, you know, encouraging us and, you know, making something positive happen. Mr. Baker, I was I was taken aback at first because before I read the release and got the full story, I thought to myself, "Okay, well, what does eleven million dollars go to with regards to the Pro Football Hall of Fame?" And this was this was me being unaware of a very large plan that you all have in place. Um, could you speak to that, please? Yeah, Hall of Fame Village is a uh, is a large project around the Hall of Fame. You, you see, our vision for the Hall of Fame isn't that it's just a great museum for football but that it's really a message of excellence for everyone everywhere. And this will help us with a brand-new stadium, which kicks off every NFL season, uh, you know, there in Canton, Ohio. It'll be a sports and entertainment complex for for young, you know, football players so that uh, what Williamsport is to Little League Baseball, this will be, you know, for football. Mm -hmm. It'll be a performance center for them, you know, for athletic performance and safety. It'll also be you know, a four-star, five-star hotel uh, and conference center where people can come and talk about subjects, you know, that can help grow the game and the NFL. Uh, you know, it'll be a, uh, you know, Hall of Fame and NFL experience where people can kind of, you know, not only learn the history of the game, but experience what it's like. And then, you know, it'll be some retail support, you know, the thematic restaurants. We've talked to Don Shula about putting a, a Shula's, um, sports grill there. Don and Marianne Shula have talked to us about that. And, you know, so it's really going to be a gathering place, you know, really for football fans. And I think it can make a huge difference with youth, uh, with the values of the game that are so important right now, and I believe very important to Mr. Benson, uh, and then the legends uh, who played it. Mr. Benson stated earlier today, uh, David, that uh, this is this is in some way giving back to a game that's given him so much, and, and I appreciate that sentiment. I'm wondering if Hall of Fame Village is able to go without a gift like this. Yeah, I'll tell you, this is the, uh, the, the biggest gift in the history of the Hall, uh, and it is the first gift you know, that kind of begins things happening for Hall of Fame Village. It was approved, the master plan for it was approved by our Board of Trustees on October 30th. So... He didn't waste any time stepping out and saying, hey, I want to send, you know, what's important for what he says, and he kind of understanding a little bit of, you know, the conversations, you know, we've had together, and not just him, but frankly the team of people that are around him, the the guys with the Saints and and, and his advisors, uh, you know, you know, Mickey Loomis and Greg Benzel and Dennis Lauschel, you know, you know, they've been very positive on it as well. But it's not just saying, hey, I'm going to write a check. Um, it's saying, hey, I'm going to step out in leadership. And and this is one of those things where actions speak louder than words. So I think he's always felt, uh, and, you know, kind of interesting. I mean, I, I've known him when I was commissioner of the Arena Football League, and he was my first owner in, in then. And he did it because, you know, he thought that Arena Football was a great product for young people that might never get to go to an NFL game. Uh, but then we were we brought our championship game here, the Arena Bowl, and we're the first event back after Katrina. And I think because of you know what he's seen the game do, how important the Saints and now the Pelicans are to the economy of this community and its tourism, 
and you know what it's done when there's been adversity here. Um, I think that uh, in some respects there's a connection between New Orleans and Canton, you know, that people might not understand. You know, the, the game began and was birthed right there in Canton, Ohio, and the game has meant so much to New Orleans uh, because when there was adversity, people would huddle up and uh, you know call a play, and uh, you know they would you know develop a plan on how they were going to overcome it. And Mr. Benson, I think, has been, you know, for the last 30 years, the quarterback in that huddle. Well said, Mr. Baker. David Baker is the president of the Pro Football Hall of Fame. He's in New Orleans today. We're talking about the big announcement uh, of the uh, donation by Mr. Tom Benson to the Pro Football Hall of Fame for these projects we're speaking of. In return, David, it looks like uh, the Pro Football Hall of Fame is going to honor Mr. Benson in a variety of ways. Well, I, I, I think that, you know, first and foremost, uh, you know, the, the stadium that we've had has been named for a gentleman who, in some respects, people have forgotten, um, a gentleman named John Fawcett, who died, I think, in the 1930s. Um, but, uh, you know, everybody called it Fawcett Stadium, but no, they, nobody knew who he was. And I talked to Mr. Benson about this, but we're going to create in the stadium and in the hall uh, a historical uh, reference point for Mr. Fawcett that will tell his story, but we're going to call that stadium now Tom Benson Hall of Fame Stadium. And, you know, there's, you know, millions and millions of people who see the enshrinement every year, uh, who see the uh, Hall of Fame game as the kickoff to the NFL season. And by the way, Sean, in five years, we're going to begin the NFL's 100th season. Um, so it's kind of exciting for me, uh, and this was not a, again not a negotiation. It wasn't something that Mr. Benson asked for. It kind of naturally evolved that the stadium is going to be our first project, and for this kind of leadership, we want to honor him. Um, you know, because of what he's doing in honoring the game and the great legends that played for it, and he will forever be linked. You know, his legacy. You know, to the Hall of Fame. Uh, to the 164 living legends and the 287, you know, uh, greatest players, coaches, uh, administrators of all time. And uh, I'm kind of excited for that because, again, I think this is a guy who for 30 years has done something really special with the Saints. He's been, I think, for something like more than 20 years, chairman uh, of the finance committee and helping to lead the NFL. Uh, Mr. Baker, of the $11 million, $1 million, uh, goes as, I, I don't want to call it seed money, but it may be just that, $1 million goes to the Legends Landing Project, which might be my favorite part of this whole deal. Will you, uh, will you enlighten us on what this is going to be? Yeah, this is, this is pretty exciting. It's a, it's a mixed-use residential facility that would have in it some assisted living. Uh, our belief is that if you play one game in the NFL, that you are forever a citizen of Canton, Ohio that this is where the game began, this is your second home, if you will. And it's the opportunity for guys to come home. Uh, and some of those guys, you know, um, I, I had the most wonderful experience yesterday before I came here where we gave the K Jewelers Ring of Excellence, which we give to each one of our enshrinees. Uh, and now we give that same ring, Sean, to you know the you know the you know the the, the other hundred you know 164 gold jackets and yesterday we gave the ring to Y.A. Tittle, uh, Hugh McElhaney, and Bob Sinclair uh, of the San Francisco 49ers and these are guys who are well up in their years. Uh, two of them are in wheelchairs, but to see them in the twilight of their years love each other up, 
you know, and, and talk about the old days uh, was something that I'm telling you, Sean, it was magical. I don't think you could catch it on your podcast, but if you had the opportunity to be there, you would see something that was, uh, you know, historic, heroic, <laughs> and really reflected the values of this game, great game that sometimes get lost in, um, you know, the commercialism of it and how popular it's become. You know, the game stands on these guys' shoulders. Well, Legends Landing is, in some respects, if you will, a residential locker room where these guys can come, you know, they can kind of, kind of uh, you know, take care of each other, share with each other, and spend their twilight t- together. And um, Mr. Benson got really excited about that. And I think, again, every time I'm with him, you know, he's. Yeah, I've always been amazed over these years that one of the observations that I make, Sean, is that you know he's got friends that are with him if he's at the owners' meeting or if he's at the Super Bowl, and these friends are guys that he's had as friends for 40 or 50 years, 60 years sometimes. And I'm from California, where you kind of change your friends like you change your shirt. <laughs> and uh, I think history and time gives great perspective. And for him to pick this out and talk about this and say he wants to be a part of it again, you know, I, I think all New Orleans. Uh, I, I know the Saints uh, have a lot to be proud for because the courage uh, that we love seeing and the character we love seeing, um, you know, frequently fans don't understand that it begins not on the field. Uh, you know, that's the end product. It, it begins in the hearts and minds of those guys who lead it. And Mr. Benson, I got to tell you, this is. Uh, you know, this is very special. I think this represents the Saints in an incredible manner. I think it represents the city of New Orleans in an incredible manner. And I'm getting emails and text right now from, you know, from, from Thurman Thomas and Dan Deardoff and, you know, Frank Gifford and all these guys who, you know, themselves are very significant, but they're humbled, you know, by the honor that Mr. Benson is paying them. Well, this has been a wonderful visit, to say the least. I, I do want to ask you one more question, David, and that is this. Uh, and you may not have an answer, and that's perfectly fine. Um, when can the New Orleans Saints perhaps take the field at Tom Benson Hall of Fame Stadium? Well, you know what? We want to make that happen sooner rather than later, and that's certainly going to be up to the NFL. I mean, we do that um, with their permission, and it's a privilege for us to do it. Uh, they'll make that decision, but from our perspective, um, we'd love to – you know, I know they were there not too long ago, but we'd love to have them there because, we, we, you know, after this enshrinement this year, you know, there's going to be some bulldozers there, and we start breaking ground. And uh, wouldn't it be great to to do that with Mr. Benson and the Saints being there? I I would like it. I I can't speak for the organization, but that would be pretty special. Yeah. Um, in all that you get to do every day, David Baker, you might be the luckiest football fan in the world. <laughs> you know, I am. I got a great wife that does it. Um, you know, it, it's been a great ride. Again, you know, I, having been commissioner of the Arena Football League helped me understand the game a little bit, you know, from the ground up. And uh, having a son that plays for the Falcons, I have spent some long nights in the Superdome worried about Will Smith uh, since <laughs> Sam's a left tackle. But, um, you know, it's also given me a perspective, really, of the values of the game. Uh, what's What's really important to me, Sean, isn't uh, just the fun I get to have, but how I get to serve. How I get to serve a man like Tom Benson, um, who, you know, the game itself, with all the controversies that surround it, you know, 
seemingly every day there's you know something new because it's so popular it's covered in such a big way but the game doesn't have a voice the game speaks only through the actions of men like Tom Benson and you know people can give speeches people can talk and 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 the you know the commissioner has been enormously supportive of the Pro Football Hall of Fame and he he has a vision for what that can be but you know sometimes in the media today there is so much media that things get lost and the the game speaks through the actions of Mr. Benson uh, 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 of things like the commissioner is trying to do now you know on the personal conduct policy and those actions speak louder than words ever could uh, and that's what's so impressive about this. That's what I hope the people from the New Orleans Saints can wrap their arms around. Um, you know, Mr. Benson is not a guy. Uh, there's nothing in this action that has to do with himself. It is an act of generosity. It is an act, I believe, of courageous leadership, of saying, hey, let's let, let's all get together. Let's give a voice to the game by our actions. Um, this has been a great game. And um, in my own life, Sean, you know, my mom and dad came from Arkansas and Mississippi and couldn't read or write. If it wasn't for sports, I wouldn't have an education. I wouldn't have the opportunity to, you know, to talk to you today and try to articulate ideas and kind of grab the thoughts that you, you know, give to me. Um, this game has done so much for so many. And it's going to go on and grow and shape the character of our country just like it's shaped the character of New Orleans for a long, long time. But it only does so through the courageous acts of guys like Tom Benson. Well said. Mr. Baker, I can't thank you enough for helping us share the big news today. I hope you enjoy your day in New Orleans and the game tonight. Sean, should be fun. Thanks for all you do for the game, okay? Well, thank you. I appreciate that very much. He's the president of the Pro Football Hall of Fame. David Baker here with us on the Black and Blue Report. We'll wrap up today's show in just a moment. Be at the Smoothie King Center to see your New Orleans Pelicans take flight on Tuesday, November 25th at 7 p.m. when the Sacramento Kings come to town. The Pelicans Fest pregame block party tips off the fun at 5.30 with music, inflatable games for the kids, appearances by Pierre the Pelican, Pelicans dance team members, and a whole bunch more. Tickets start as low as $13. Call 525-HOOP or visit pelicans.com to get your seats today. I'm Tom Richards. I'm 35 years old, vice president of sales at a regional paper company. Six months ago, we decided to transition to one of those cool collaborative open space offices. So now I sit in the open next to three other sales managers, which means there's nothing separating me from... (coughs) Not getting Carl's nasty cold and missing a sales opportunity this winter? That is my purpose. Blend it now. Try the Immune Builder Smoothie at Smoothie King. It's the tastiest way to stay healthy this winter. Smoothie King. Smoothies with a purpose. It's Saints game day. This is the Black and Blue Report. Great show today, not only because we're back in Studio B, but because of the great guests helping us get ready for tonight's football game. Of course, that's John DeShazer from NewOrleansSaints.com, Steve Weich from the NFL Network, and then David Baker, president of the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Back at you tomorrow, we'll be uh, going from the Smoothie King Center as we get ready for Pelicans Kings tomorrow night. We'll, of course, wrap up the show, or excuse me, wrap up the Saints coverage 
of uh, the Ravens game tonight on tomorrow's show. That, that, that's where I was going with that. And then we'll wrap up the week on Wednesday this week as we'll have no black and blue report on Thursday or Friday due to the holiday. We'll talk more about that tomorrow uh, and Wednesday too. Um, with regard to the Saints game tonight, John DeShazer and I will be heading over to the Mercedes-Benz Superdome this afternoon. We're going to shoot our pregame video, kind of get you a set for game time at 4.15, so probably not too far off after that. You'll be able to see that on your Saints mobile app and on NewOrleansSaints.com. Hey, keep that Saints mobile app handy tonight because I think it's a great way to watch the game. You get stats as we go along and uh, also the thoughts of John and myself during the game. Maybe not as important as the stats, but we'll try and provide you with another angle from the uh, press box at the Mercedes-Benz Superdome. And then, of course, after the football game tonight, even though it will be late on this Monday, you'll get uh, live feeds from the uh, press conference uh, for Sean Payton and Drew Brees, but also uh, inside the Saints locker room after the, uh, we hope, is a win against the Baltimore Ravens. This would set the Saints up pretty good uh, going into a Pittsburgh road game that will by no means be easy uh, one week from yesterday. That will pretty much do it for us here on this Monday. Go Saints for sure. Oh, one more thing before I let you go here on this Monday. Uh, go to the Pelicans Facebook page um, because there's a, there's a pretty cool little video there. It's a lot of fun. Um, it's already getting thousands of views, but... The uh, Pelicans uh, have decided in a <laughs> unique and fun way to thank all of you for being a friend. Uh, as the New Orleans Pelicans Facebook page has passed 1 million likes. Is that the way to term it, Daniel? Okay. So check out that video. I think it's a lighter moment for you on this Monday. And uh, we'll put you in a good mood for sure on the basketball side. Hopefully we'll be talking about a lot of great stuff tomorrow. Previewing a basketball game and talking about a Saints win. So we'll see you then. Here, right here on the Black and Blue Report. I'm Sean Kelly. We'll see you tonight at the Mercedes-Benz Superdome. Thanks for listening to this edition of the Black and Blue Report. If all goes well, we'll be back tomorrow. Tune in each weekday at 12 p.m. or at your convenience exclusively online at NewOrleansSaints.com and Pelicans.com. Follow your teams direct from the source. The Black and Blue Report.